Welcome to the Sun Also Rises radio show and podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Jacques. And for listeners who are fans of the Northern Lights and nature walks and saunas and reindeer burgers, you might not be surprised to learn that Finland has just been named the happiest country in the world for the second year in a row. To come up with this ranking, there's a group of researchers from the United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network, and they take a look at 156 countries around the world every year, and they analyze variables like healthy life expectancy, social support, income, education, safety, crime, freedom, generosity, trust, and lack of corruption. And the researchers compare and contrast all of these different kinds of variables in all of these nations to come up with what they call their World Happiness Report. And for the last couple of years, the conclusions are clear. Finland tops the list. Finland is the happiest country on the planet. The United States, meanwhile, has fallen in the ranking this year from the 18th to the 19th happiest country. So a lot of people in the U.S. and all around the world, really, are asking, what is Finland doing right? Why are they happy? And can the Finnish model be exported to other countries? Finland even unveiled a program recently called Rent-A-Fin, and this allows people from all over the world to, if they win a contest, they'll be able to travel to Finland and spend some time with local Finnish happiness guides, they call them. And these happiness experts will show the visitors around, you know, show them some of their favorite spots in nature and in town. And, and the hope is that their relaxed and nature-filled way of life will kind of rub off on the visitors. I was not able to rent a Finn, but the Sonoso Rises was able to visit Finland's capital, of Helsinki a couple of weeks ago, and we spent some time just trying to get to the bottom of some of these questions about Finland and happiness. That's Andy. He's a performance artist who we spoke with outside of the Helsinki Cathedral. And Andy's right. About 85% of Finland is forestry land. And almost all of that land is covered with forests. So it's the most forested country in Europe. And for each of Finland's 5.5 million people, there are about 10 acres of forest. And the Finns are really proud of this land. They really value it, and they take advantage of it. Andy and a few of the other Finns that we spoke with emphasized how much they just really enjoy spending time in nature. No matter what the weather's like... Even when it's very cold, the Finns spend quality time outside. They hike and bike. They go skiing and snowshoeing. They pick berries and go ice swimming and all kinds of other activities. And science does acknowledge a link between spending time with nature and happiness. Studies show that our bodies produce lower levels of pro-inflammatory cytokine when we're observing nature's beauty. They also show that people consistently report an increased sense of well-being when they're enjoying the outdoors. 
And other studies show that focus and memory improve after spending even just a little bit of time in nature. One recent study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that being in nature diminishes blood flow to the subgenual prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's generally associated with negative thoughts. And there are many other health benefits that come from spending time in nature, and the link for many of these correlations is especially strong for children. So this is really interesting and important, I think, uh, especially in this modern world where many of us spend our days at work just bathed in fluorescent light, staring at computer monitors, and then we go home and spend hours gawking at TV screens and laptops. The Finns do some of that too, but they do less of it than many other developed nations, and they make more time for nature, which is one reason why they're happier. The Bible shows that being outside, studying the physical creation, is also an excellent way to better understand the perfect mind that created it. Romans 1 verse 20 says, The invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by those things that he made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So when we enter into nature in the right attitude, it's possible for God to give us special insight into his mind and, and for us just to be able to better understand the brilliant mind of the creator of, of the uh, entire physical realm. That's a benefit of spending time in nature that would be impossible to overstate. And that can really help a person to build profound joy and happiness. So step one even if you just look at it on the physical level, if you want to be as happy as a fin, just take a hike, get outside, and, and really enjoy nature. Step two to being as happy as a fin, which has some overlap, I think, with step one, is just to try to slow your pace of life when you can. Just don't worry. Take time to just sit down and don't live a bit too fast pace. <laughs> That's a lifeguard and swimming coach who we'll call Leo. He works at the Loili Sauna in Helsinki. And Leo told us that Finns don't rush around too much and that they really try to savor parts of their day. They try not to take on too many things. And, you know, they just try to avoid being unnecessarily busy. The Apostle Paul wrote about that kind of mentality in 1 Thessalonians 4.11 telling Christians to, quote, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. That's the new international version. And then 1 Timothy 2.2 also says Christians should pray that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And of course, that wouldn't mean we should withdraw into a hermitage or a monastery or something like that. But a quiet life and a well-ordered life is a good one. And the Finns seem to appreciate that on a physical, but still a meaningful level. Leo said the Finns still try to always make time to nourish their relationships with family members and friends. And that's, of course, important for anyone who seeks a happy life. So it's, it's really a balance there that has to be struck. You also can't discuss Finnish culture and the quiet side of it without talking about saunas. 
Saunas are a big deal there. In a country of 5.5 million people, they actually have some 2.2 million saunas. So there are more saunas than cars in Finland. And it's such an important part of their well-being that they even use the word as a verb. Did you sauna yesterday? That kind of thing. And this has also been found to be a contributor to happiness. That's not just because of the time for reflection and decompression that a sauna session allows for, but it's also just because of the sheer heat. To promote sweating, saunas are usually kept somewhere between 150 and 175 degrees Fahrenheit. And researchers at the University of Colorado recently found a correlation between very high temperatures like these and mood. The study basically found that being exposed to very high temperatures, uh, as you are in a sauna, increases serotonin levels. And serotonin is known to boost mood. So this happens not just in saunas, but also at the beach and even in a hot bath. So step three, if you'd like to be as happy as a fin, is to sauna or otherwise get yourself in some heat. And if you want to take it a step further the way the fins do, immediately after your sauna session, you could jump in some ice water or maybe take a very cold shower. After a long sauna session at Loile, I tried to swim in the 33-degree Fahrenheit waters of the Baltic Sea, but I only made it into about waist level before I had to kind of retreat back into the, uh, the warmth of the sauna there. So apparently I still have much to learn if I want to learn the real Finnish ways there. And the Finns really do have ways. They have deeply ingrained ways and traditions that are important to them. Finnish have a quite deep culture. A lot of Finns are stick to the ways. That's John, who we spoke with in downtown Helsinki. And he has a job that sounds to me like about the most traditionally Finnish job a person could possibly have. He's a sculptor of reindeer antlers, or a scrimshaw artist, carving his art onto antlers that have fallen off of reindeers. He made beautiful work, and he was one of the friendliest people you could imagine. And if we follow his advice, step four would basically be to respect the old ways. Here's John once again. And I think something like this is um, making things a little bit easier. So um, that's just uh, uh, maybe one reason why it's just kind of easy going in this country. They have ways to follow with old cultures and it's make it sort of easy. This was a theme that came up several times in our various conversations with Finns. Basically just this idea that Finland has a strong and common culture and even a relatively homogenous population in terms of ethnicity. I'll read a little bit about this topic from the World Population Review. It says, quote, Finland is very ethnically homogenous. Most of the population is ethnic Finnish. Just 3.5% of the population is made up of foreign citizens, which is one of the lowest rates in the European Union. And then this, uh, this report goes on to explain that most of those comparatively few immigrants that are in Finland are from its neighboring countries like Sweden and Russia and Estonia. So the demographics in Finland are quite different than what you see in places like France and the UK and Germany, which have had huge influxes of immigrants from the Middle East and North Africa. In Finland, 
third-world immigrants make up less than 1% of the population. And for many of the Finnish people, this demographic situation is viewed as a force of stability for the country. Polls show that most Finns want to limit immigration into Finland in order to preserve those old ways and just to preserve the culture that they have there. And we also saw a vote uh, last month showing that an anti-immigration party in Finland won a substantial percentage of the votes there. So those old ways, as John called them, they are important to the Finns, and many of them want to preserve that aspect of their country. And when you look at some of the specific variables factored into the World Happiness Report, it's not too hard to see how Finland's demographics play a role there. One of the variables that the World Happiness Report looks at is trust. How much do citizens trust each other? There's a study you might have heard of called the Wallet Test that examines this kind of thing. And the researchers will drop lots of wallets in high-traffic locations in various cities. And the wallets contain about $50 each and also ID information, making it easy for whoever finds it to return it to the owner. And then the researchers wait and see how many of the wallets are returned to them by the, the various people who find them. The last time the wallet test was conducted, they left 12 wallets in each city. And in Lisbon, Portugal, one of the 12 was returned. And that was by a couple from the Netherlands who were just vacationing in Lisbon. So that's not the kind of society that has much trust in it. And then in Madrid, Spain, just two of the 12 wallets were returned. And for many of the other cities around the world that they tested, the results were almost as depressing as those. But in Helsinki, Finland, 11 of the 12 wallets were returned. That's an extraordinary number. And you can see why when you view all of your fellow citizens as brothers and sisters and cousins, you know, basically as extended family members, you can see why that would probably make you more likely to treat them the way you would want to be treated. Lasse Laumakoski was one of the Finns who found and returned one of those wallets in Helsinki. He was 27 years old at the time, and he told researchers that he thinks the Finnish people are honest largely because of the kinship that they feel toward each other. He said, quote, Finns are naturally honest. It's typical for us. We are a small, quiet, closely knit community. We have little corruption, and we don't even run red lights. End quote. The data on crime shows that Lassie is right about this. Crime rates are remarkably low in Finland, especially if you're looking at just the ethnic Finns. Although I should say that while we were visiting the Kalpatori part of Helsinki, we were victims of a theft. That happened just after my wife slash production assistant had bought a reindeer hot dog from an outdoor vendor. And before she had time to take even a single bite of it, a huge seagull swooped down and stole the entire thing right out of her hand. So if you visit there, watch out for the seagulls. But on the whole, crime in Finland is remarkably low. And that factors into what makes Finland a happy country. So we could say that our fifth step in how to be as happy as a Finn is to respect the laws of the land 
and abide by them. People studying Finland's happiness also point to the country's very successful um, debt-free education system and the rarity of personal debt among the people. Here's John talking about this. Free education here. You don't need to save up your whole life and you're going into debt. They don't think of debt in this country. This is not even like a thought unless you buy a house. But, for example, going into debt just day-to-day living, just to... uh, make ends meet. Nobody does that here. Absolutely. And how can you be, uh, think of happiness when you're up to your neck in debt? And then people studying Finland's happiness also often point to the absence of poverty and the generous amounts of paid maternity and paternity leave and the good health care they all have access to. And this, uh, you know, this debt-free education and many of these other factors are possible because of very high tax rates in the country. And it's an economic model that would be unsuccessful in most other countries, especially one like the U.S. with a population that's about 60 times bigger than Finland's. And also in countries that have less of that ethnic homogeneousness that the Finns have, it would not be likely to be successful. There's also a spirit of determination among Finns that I think is really noteworthy and that plays a role in the country's success. There's a Finnish word that doesn't translate very well into English, but it is sisu, and it roughly means a kind of stoic determination and just courageous persistence, even when facing odds that look insurmountable. Sisu is what helped the Finns back in 1939 and 1940 to take their army of just 300,000 men and to fight off a Soviet Union force three times that big and far better armed, which was trying to invade Finland. A publication called War on the Rocks wrote about this famous winter war between the Finns and the Soviets recently, and it said, quote, Finland's winter war with the Soviet Union waged over the course of 105 days, should be an object of study for all students of military strategy. Finland, a weak, sparsely populated, and diplomatically isolated nation, succeeded in imposing staggering costs on a far more potent aggressor. Indeed, the respective kill ratios and casualty rates are perhaps some of the starkest in the annals of 20th century warfare. While Helsinki is estimated to have lost approximately 25,000 soldiers during the Soviet offensive, the invaders' fatalities have been pegged at close to 200,000, with hundreds of thousands more crippled by frostbite. End quote. It was truly remarkable the way the Finns stood up to the Soviets that were trying to invade their country in this famous war. After three months or so, Finland did end up buckling beneath the weight of the Soviet forces, and they had to surrender some of their land, about 11% of it, to the uh, Soviet Union. But in this war, the Finns had so seriously injured the Soviet bear that they were able to preserve their independence, for the most part, all through the, the Cold War era. And they were never absorbed into the Soviet Union the way the Baltic states around them were. And then War on the Rocks mentions that untranslatable Finnish word as something that enabled this incredible Finnish stand against the Soviets. The article says, quote, The Sisu exhibited by the people of Finland during the Winter War is now nested at the core 
of the Nordic nation's national mythos. So anyway, Finland's sisu is remarkable. And it's a national trait that helps the country to produce so many exceptional musicians and architects and designers, so many cutting-edge businesses, so many outstanding thinkers and workers, and to make so many major contributions to civilization. And there's no doubt that Sisu is part of what makes the Finnish people happy. So step six, if you want to be as happy as a Finn, is to cultivate a mindset of Sisu. And the Bible speaks a little bit about the value of this kind of attitude. Ecclesiastes tells people that whatsoever our hand finds to do, we must do it with our might. And then in the New Testament, in Colossians, uh, Christians are told that whatever they do, they should do it heartily, as unto the Lord. So that sounds somewhat similar to a, a very determined and just hearty um, attitude such as that that is described by the term Sisu. The Bible also talks a little bit about the country that we now call Finland. One of the patriarch Abraham's 12 grandsons was named Issachar. Issachar and his brothers all started families, and those families grew into tribes, and then they just kept on growing and becoming nations, and they migrated around to various parts of the Western Hemisphere. And the late Herbert W. Armstrong and his college, Ambassador College, devoted a lot of effort to tracing these tribes through history, just to see where they had arrived in the modern age. And he taught that the tribe of Issachar became the modern nation of Finland. We'll have a link in our show notes on SoundCloud to an article from Mr. Armstrong's organization that just goes into some of the specific scriptural passages regarding uh, Issachar for anyone who would like to read more about that. So the Bible does say a little bit about the ancient people who became modern Finland, but it says much more on the topic of happiness and how to live in a way that brings real riches and abundance and stability and joy and happiness into your life. That's really one of the Bible's primary themes. And it's about a kind of happiness and a kind of fulfillment and joy that goes far beyond what the people in Finland might experience. The biblical instruction about how to be happy is actually very straightforward. It's summed up in Proverbs 29:18, which says, He that keeps the law, happy is he. Law is often made out to be something negative, especially the law of God, but its purpose is to keep people on that path of stability and happiness. We spoke earlier about Finland's happiness being partly because of the, you know, the low crime rates and the absence of corruption, and about how many of them won't even run a red light. And all of that contributes to the kind of society that people can have security in and happiness in. And God's law does the same thing, but without any of the imperfections and imbalances. And God's law does it on a far more profound and meaningful and long-lasting level. The law is there to show people the way to real happiness. We mentioned Mr. Armstrong earlier, and he wrote about the just this inseparable connection between law and happiness in his book, Mystery of the Ages. He wrote, 
God's inherent nature is the way of peace, of justice, mercy, happiness, and joy, radiating outward toward those he has created. God's and the Word's way of life produced peace, cooperation, happiness, and accomplishment. This way of life became a law. End quote. So God's way became his law. And those who follow that way can be happy, far beyond the kind of happiness that you see in Finland. So this is by far the most important step that someone who wants to be happy should take. Mr. Gerald Fleury is the host of the Key of David program here on KPCG-FM, and he has also written many books and booklets, one of which is called No Freedom Without Law. This booklet is full of deep insights into the correlation between God's law and human happiness and freedom. One part of it says, quote, It is very difficult to keep God's law, but the problem isn't with the law. It is with us. We need to write God's law on our hearts indelibly, to etch it into our hearts and minds so it'll never go away. That will bring true freedom into our lives. We've been deceived to believe just the reverse, that God's law somehow enslaves us. That is false. God's law brings us the ultimate, most wonderful freedom of all. It protects our families. It protects our children. It protects us from all the evil in this world. We should have joyful freedom. End quote. If someone wants to understand how God's law shows the way to true freedom and happiness— on a level far beyond even what the happiest country on earth experiences. You really couldn't ask for two more impacting books than Mystery of the Ages and No Freedom Without Law. These books are both free, and we will include links to them on the show notes on SoundCloud for today's episode. Or you can go to thetrumpet.com and click on the literature tab there, and you can order free copies of them for yourself there. Well, that brings us to the end of The Sun Also Rises. Please email your thoughts and comments and questions to tsar at kpcg.fm. And you can find us on Twitter, too. Our handle is tsar underscore radio show. Thank you for tuning in today, and we'll leave you with two Finnish proverbs because I couldn't decide which one was better. The first is... Happiness is a place between too little and too much. The second is, God did not create hurry. Hurry.